Thank you for downloading this sermon brought to you by the preaching ministry of Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas, Nevada, Dr. David Tice. For more sermons in both audio and video format, we encourage you to visit experienceliberty.com. Also, for a word of encouragement, insight, and biblical inspiration, follow Pastor David Tice's blog at davidtice.com. So without further ado, let's open our hearts to the Word of God. I can see my wife. She's already trying to find something to hide behind because she hates when I do this. All right, so you're in a rough neighborhood. Two pretzels cross the street. One's assaulted. There you go. Thank you. See, y'all need to understand me. I get no greater pleasure than a good eye roll, especially if it's accompanied by a smile you just can't stop. So anyway, I apologize to my wife. I didn't mean to do that. Okay, so we're in uh, Ephesians chapter 4 again today. Oh, good, it works. We're in this series, Built Earth Tough, uh, that Pastor Shore kicked us off on. Uh, We'll just read the, the passage for it real quick, and we'll just dive right in, because I think we're a little short on time. Uh, So chapter 4, verse 11, it says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, and unto a perfect man, unto the uh, measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So, just to review, if you haven't uh, been with us or if you need a little bit of reminder of what everyone has talked about so far, we're going over all these offices that uh, God has given to the church. Uh, we, uh, Pastor Shore talked about apostles. These are ones sent by God to proclaim a new truth. It's an office that we believe has, uh, has come to a conclusion. Uh, there were specific requirements. We're not going to go over those again tonight. Uh, Then uh, we talked about prophets. These were people sent to proclaim God's revelation, uh, something that had been either revealed specifically to them or been revealed in prior writings, and it was their job to declare it to everyone. Uh, There was some foretelling involved there, but it was mostly forthtelling. If you go back and read much of the Old Testament, what you'll find is that most of them are saying what had already been said many, many years ago, and it was just a constant reminder of this is going to go poorly for you. Uh, Then we had the evangelist. This is the person who just has a burden to see souls saved. They are spiritually gifted to deliver the gospel and bring people all the way to the cross. And then last week we talked about pastors and teachers, those who are specifically burdened and gifted to care for and feed the flock. And today... We're going to go on one more. The saints. So, what is a saint? We've had, we have all these saints that we talk about. We have St. Paul. We have St. Peter. If you were to open up the New Testament, it begins with the Gospel of St. Matthew. We have uh, great theologians of the past, like uh, St. Augustine. And here later this month, we're going to celebrate a man called St. Patrick where weirdly we run around pinching each other and pretending to be Irish. I don't get it. It's a saint thing. So what is a saint? Well, here's, uh, here's the Catholic definition. Persons in heaven, officially canonized or not, who live heroically virtuous lives, offered their life for others, or were martyred for the faith, or, or and who are worthy of imitation. 
If you were to ask the all-powerful and infallible Googles, you get a person officially recognized, especially by canonization, as being entitled to public veneration and capable of interceding for the people of Earth. Now, who disagrees with these definitions? I do. Everyone, raise your hand. This definition is incorrect. But it's it's what's commonly thought of, especially outside of these walls, as what is a saint. So let's go on. Here's a study tip for you, especially for those of you who struggle with King James English. If you don't want to dive all the way into Greek word studies, go on to Google's, that all-powerful Google's, and type in Webster's 1828, and you will get the closest definition to what the translators uh, were trying to get at. Here is Webster's definition. A person sanctified, a holy or godly person. Hey, that, descri- that opens up the aperture a whole lot, right? That can describe a whole lot of people. But I want to dig one further. All right. <clears throat> I was actually kind of excited when Pastor Matt asked me to do this, uh, this lesson because it allowed me to geek out a little bit. Uh, if you all know me too well, you know I'm a Bible nerd, and I just love stuff like this. I like graphics. So, the word we get saints from, hagias, is actually not even a noun. It's an adjective. Any teachers in here? This is an adjective being used as a noun. I know I'm boring you. Hang with me here. I'm, I'm getting somewhere. This is an adjective being used as a noun at the end of the sentence. Most times, this is translated holy. What does that tell us? A saint is a Christian. How do you get to the point where you are uh, back up to it, where you are, I'm sorry, let me go back to my point. <laughs> uh, let me read for you the Greek uh, definition of hagias. This means holy as of the quality of persons or things that can be brought near or into the presence of God. I've just given away my point, but how do you get into the presence of God? We, who are fallen sinners, completely unable to approach God on our own, how do we get there? This is the answer portion. How do you make yourself to where you can get into the presence of God? By grace through faith. There it is, you accept Jesus. You were correct. Jamie gave you the the more theological answer. 100% right. All you have to do to get into the presence of God is right here. We talk about this every week. First of all, understand that you're a sinner, and your sin has a consequence, and that consequence is an eternity in hell apart from any salvation. Jesus, who is God, is your only hope to escape that punishment. So all you have to do is accept the payment that he's already given and ask him to forgive you. And we go through this almost every service, and we talk about the plan of salvation. And tonight we'll probably do an invitation uh, as well. But this is it. If this describes you, then, ta-da, guess what? You're a saint. That's you. What we're talking about tonight is every single one of you who knows Christ as your Savior, every single one of you who has uh, heaven as their eternal home, we are talking about you tonight. We've spent all these um, past weeks talking about people who are probably not you who are out there listening. 
We've talked about apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists, and, well, that's not most of us. Don't you hate it when we go through Bible verses and we talk about everyone who isn't you? And you say, well, well, that was kind of neat. That was kind of great, but where's my application? Well, here we go. This one is all about you. Everything I say tonight applies directly to you. Not me. Well, I mean, it does me. But everybody. There is no one in this room who what I'm about to tell you tonight, this is incorrect for. So, I didn't practice my page turning. <clears throat> so, this is both a a new nature, and a process. So look at this word again. Most of the time, I said it dis- it's an adjective. It describes holy. It describes a quality. Now, just a minute ago, when we looked at the original uh, definition, something that uh, makes you able to go into God's presence, you are then declared holy. You are justified, washed by the blood of Christ, clean, able to go in the presence of God. That is one aspect But can I tell you also that that's not the end of it? Yeah, you get the initial washing. You get to go boldly before the throne. But that's not where it stops. What does it mean to be holy? You are a holy person by nature, but you have a process to go through and also to be holy. How do we know this? Peter Uh, He talks about this later. He says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end of grace, that is, to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust of your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because as it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. This is a lifelong process. We know this because Peter is talking to saved Christians here. And he's telling them they need to be holy, which means it's a process we got to work on our entire lives. So what does it mean to be holy? Yes. Sorry? Separate. Is that what you said? Yeah, okay, good. That is one aspect. Anything else? What does it mean to be holy? A lot of crickets. Hmm? Surrendering daily. I like that one. You are to be separated and daily surrendered. What would you describe as a holy person? Christ-like. Christ-like. Describe the qualities of Christ real quick for me. I know I put you on the spot. See, this is what happens in my class. For those of you who don't come to my class. What is Jesus like? Perfect. Perfect in... Morally? Every way, right? Yes, sir. Forgives. Good. Sinless. Sinless. Patient. Loving. Long-suffering. This is what holiness generally describes. Here's your another Webster's definition, also of holy. You know how in in dictionaries they've got like 50 definitions, and you try to pick the one that makes the most sense? Uh, These were right at the top, right? It means hallowed, consecrated, separate, as Sal said, uh, set apart for sacred use or to the service or worship of God. That means you, as a holy one, as a saint, you are set aside for God. You are not part 
of the rest of the world that you came out of. He has taken you out of that, and he has placed you separately for his service. You are set apart for a sacred use, not a secular use. Well, Matt, I'm, I'm not in full-time ministry. I'm, I'm not a pastor. You said this was me. Yes, exactly. Even though you live in a secular world, you go to work every day with people who are decidedly not like you. That's the point. You're supposed to be distinctly different. You're supposed to be sacred in the midst of the profane. That is your job, and God uh, has pulled you out of that. So as saints, we are set aside for God's use and purpose. What is that purpose? What is your purpose in life? To glorify God. Oh, man, it's like you read my notes. First one, right out of the box, Revelation 4.11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. I really thought I was going to have to dig a little bit for that one. Nice. Your only job, your, the only reason you exist here on this earth is to bring glory to God. That's it. You wonder, what's, what's God's will for my life? I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Bring glory to God. Well, that's a pretty nebulous concept, though, right? How do you bring glory to God? You care about what he cares about. You go about doing what he wants done. What does God care about more than anything else? Souls. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, which means he is willing that all souls should be saved. You want to live your purpose and be in God's will in your life? Then you need to care about souls. If you're in my class long enough, you will hear me foot stomp over and over again that you need to be soul conscious. Everyone you come into contact with is on their way to heaven or on their way to hell. There's no in-between. Everyone you come into contact with, everyone in your family is on their way to heaven or on their way to hell. Every friend, every acquaintance, everyone at your work, they have one destination. They can go one way or the other. And you, you want to glorify God? Be about souls no matter where you are. At your work, yeah, it's a little awkward to bring up the whole Jesus thing at work sometimes, right? Doesn't matter. That's what you're called to do. That's what brings glory and honor to God. What else does God care about? Because he cares about souls. What's the very next thing he cares about? Hmm? Discipleship. Yes, I like that. I want a second word for that. What must you do in order... What is the process of, of discipleship aimed at? When we go through discipleship, we talk about uh, how you apply God's word to your life and how you uh, are to behave as a Christian. That's a process we call sanctification, right? This is uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 4. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should, and here's the key, key phrase, know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. God wants you under control. He wants you to control your behavior, control your thoughts, control your mouth, control your hands, as I like to tell my son all the time. Control your hands. 
Because all of those things, your sanctification has a direct impact on the souls. You realize that? Everywhere you go, you are a testimony. I think I talked about this last time I spoke to you. Everywhere you go, no matter who or where it is, you are a witness to God. Uh, when, when he went up, he said, Ye shall be witnesses to me in both Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts. He didn't say, You can be. You have the opportunity. No, you will be witnesses. You see, the thing is, you have to decide whether you are going or what kind of witness you are going to be. Are you going to be a sanctified, holy witness that draws people uh, to Christ, thereby bringing glory to God? Or are you going to just not really care about it? Let a few things slip. You know what? This is not my church life. I'm just going to go, this is my work life. And I'm, I'm a little different here because I have to be that way to fit in. So it's really not a big deal here, right? No, as long as I'm still acting kind of okay, right? As long as I'm better than they are, right? No. Sanctified in the midst of the profane is what you are called to be. So as saints, we are set aside for God's use and purpose, and that purpose is 100% to save souls. As saints, we are called to be both physically and morally pure. That is part of this sanctification. Third definition, uh, not there. Third definition that Webster gives is properly whole, entire, or perfect in a moral sense, hence pure in heart, temper, and dispositions. God doesn't want you to stay as you were before you were saved. One of my favorite verses. I would commit this one to memory if, if I were you. Uh, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It is the minimum expected of you. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. We're not supposed to be the same. We are supposed to willingly give up the rest of our lives in sacrificial service to God. That is the minimal expectation. But too often, don't we kind of get wrapped up in, in what we want to do and in our own goals? And we seem to forget about God's goals. Does that mean God doesn't care about your goals? No, absolutely he does. He wants you to be, live a happy and fulfilled life because happy, fulfilled Christians make everyone else want to be in on it. So, a saint is a Christian. A saint is a holy one. And this last one I want to uh, mention and pull out of this word. See, I love word studies. There's so much richness here. You are also a sanctuary. What does that mean? Page turn time. I need a clicker for the pages. First <laughs> Corinthians uh, verse six nineteen. I think I put that on a slide. I sure did. Look at me. It says what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Your body is the temple of the Almighty God. Let that sink in for just a moment. Everywhere you go, you are taking Jesus with you. 
Everything you do, you do with Jesus. Everything you say, everything you think, everything you want to think about but realize you shouldn't think about, and then you do it anyway. You know what? God's right there in the middle of it because you are his sanctuary. You are his temple. So how many of you have dogs? We got a lot of dog lovers in here. When you, how do you uh, house train a dog? The way I do it, I say, let me rephrase. The way my wife usually does it is, is we start them out in a kennel. It's not inhumane, okay? It's also where the kids sleep. So the kennel, you put it in there. They get to, they get to cuddle all night long. Uh, you put them in there, and, and you restrict the size of the kennel because dogs won't mess where they sleep. They won't mess in their safe space. Or if it's like our dog, they'll just eat it. And yeah, we have one of those. Dogs will not live in and amongst their, their own mess. It's disgusting and filthy, and that's how they keep it clean. I don't think Jesus wants to live in the messy kennel. Now put yourself in, in his shoes of living inside of a filthy sanctuary. We have to keep it clean. I have, who has ever had at least one child live in their home? Okay, we, we got a lot of you understand that. How many of you have had multiple children live in your home? Ah, oh, bless you. It is physically impossible to keep up with their mess. In fact, I have, I have meltdowns on a semi-regular basis because I don't like living in an obstacle course. They mess it up quicker than I can clean it, and it's maddening. And I'm bounding over things, and I'm stepping on, on Legos, and, and all of this. It's, it's absolutely enraging. I can't concentrate. I cannot relax at the end of the day if... There's mess everywhere. I just can't do it. So all of my energy, once I get home, is in cleaning. And all of our energy spent up to bedtime ends up being in cleaning. We can't enjoy the time together because we are stuck cleaning. Every now and then we'll have a Saturday where we're just cleaning up the mess. Your sanctuary is much the same. Jesus living inside you, the Holy Spirit living inside you. Think about them living in and amongst your mess. All the time and energy that Jesus puts into you is spent helping you clean up the mess. And the more you mess it up, the more time you just have to spend cleaning it, and the less time and energy and effort can go into glorifying God. You want to be used for God's purpose. We often sit back and say, why won't God do anything great in my life? Why hasn't God given me something to do? Why, why isn't he paving the way like I see him do for other people? Check your sanctuary and ask yourself, is it time to get out of broom or mop? Keep your sanctuary clean if you want to be used by God. So a saint is a Christian. Why? <clears throat> Why do we spend all those weeks talking about everyone who wasn't you? Right? We talked about God gave these as gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. He gave all these gifts to the church for a specific purpose, and that is perfecting of the saints. Now, 
Uh, I see a couple people that have been in my class. Something else I say over and over. Whenever you see the word perfect, what does that usually mean in the Bible? Mature? Mm-hmm. Doesn't necessarily mean without fault. Uh, unfortunately, this is one of those that is the exception to the rule. This one does not mean mature. That, that word is usually teleos. This word more properly means equipping, giving tools to. Uh, to make adequate is the idea of perfecting here. So <clears throat> these pastors, teachers, and evangelists, they are not here to make you necessarily just more mature in your faith, although that is part of it. But they are here to equip you. Pastor Matt, Pastor Tash, Pastor Neil, uh, Pastor Shore, Pastor Ruiz, they are all here. I'm sorry, I forgot Mike. We calling him Pastor Mike yet? No, Mike. <clears throat> he is here. They are all here to give you the tools that you need in order to survive the world and to bring glory and honor to God by caring about souls and keeping your sanctuary clean. They are here to give you the tools. What are those tools that they are supposed to give you? I'm running short on time, so I won't uh, fish this out of you. I'll just turn over. In uh, Ephesians chapter 6, after uh, Paul gets done uh, talking about what we're talking about now, he goes on and he iterates exactly what you need to survive this world. Very familiar verse. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. Your pastors and teachers and all the evangelists that come through here consistently preach you the truth so that when you go out into the world, you are armed with that truth. <clears throat> and having on the breastplate of righteousness, they are up here showing you how to live righteously. One thing I absolutely love about our pastoral staff here is they are fantastic examples of how to live righteously. Sadly, you cannot say that for all churches, and many pastors lose their testimony over not behaving righteously. But they are up here to show you how to do that. All of the, the illustrations they give from their own lives, all of the things they tell you and show you how to do is so that when you go out, you are able to wear that breastplate of righteousness yourself. Uh, the, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. They show you how to proclaim the gospel. It is, it is not a coincidence that almost every time someone stands in the pulpit, the full gospel is given. It's not by accident. It's so that it is so ingrained in your mind and your behavior that no matter where you go, you are taking the gospel with you, and you are ready to proclaim it at any moment. They are here to prepare you in order to do that. <clears throat> And above all, taking the shield of faith. They are here to strengthen and encourage your faith. Uh, they give you uh, sometimes nice little facts and tidbits, little apologetic uh, ways to strengthen your faith so that when you go out and people are just lobbing grenades at you, uh, an atheist telling you that we all come from apes or, or something really out, uh, far out there, you have the shield of faith to lean back on because you know God's word is true. You know without a doubt in your mind 
that heaven is your home and nobody can take that from you. That is what your pastors, teachers, and evangelists are here to help you develop and give you. Wherewith shall be able to quench the fire darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation. They lead you to salvation. It is this church's number one goal to see souls saved. We are here to get you all into the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. We are here to show you how to wield God's word. This is an extremely powerful weapon. It is absolutely useless if you don't know what to do with it. I, I spend a lot of, a lot of time uh, teaching and in discipleship. I, I just have a, a God-given burden to help people understand how to wield this weapon because it is so important. No matter what you do and where you go, this can be the difference between success and failure in every aspect of life. And pastors, teachers, evangelists, they are here to show you how to wield God's Word effectively. Oh, I had a nice little picture for that. That's what you get. So, what is the lesson here? Listen to and heed their instruction. Hebrews 13, 17, Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves for the watch of your souls as they must give an account that they may do it uh, with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable to you. Take everything your pastors say to heart. Come to church with an open mind. Sit and listen to the speakers with an open heart and an open mind, examining yourself on what uh, or how that applies to you. If they come to you personally to help you address a problem, take it. Don't let pride get in the way of them helping you out because no one is here to run anyone down. We are all here to help and to build you up. And we do that for a specific purpose. I keep saying we uh, because I'm up here talking. So here's the thing. It is all for this purpose. It is for the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ. Whose job is that? That is not just the job of the pastoral staff. That's your job. It is your job and my job to do the work of the ministry. They are here to equip you to do that. All of those tools I just listed out are for you to carry out the work of the ministry. Ministry is any work... That, is, that benefits another. Specifically in our case, we talk about it from a spiritual standpoint. Uh, there's an excellent book uh, written, oh, I can't remember the name of the author, but if you ask me later, I'll get it to you. Uh, the, the name of the book is called Autopsy of a Deceased Church. Fantastic book. You go through and you read that, and you look at the, the symptoms of a dead or dying church. Number one is that everybody relies on the pastor to do something or to do everything. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not a church. That's a, that's a social group with a, with a cult leader, and that's not going to work out. The church will die if you are not the ones doing the ministry. It is not Pastor Matt's job necessarily to come up with all the great fun ideas. He does a great job at it, and yeah, it is part of uh, what we pay him for. But you know what? That is not just his job. You have an idea for a ministry, I can tell you exactly how it will go. 
You bring that to, uh, to one of the staff, and you explain it to them and say, that sounds like a great idea. How are you going to do it? Because it's, it's your job, and it's my job to do the ministry. It's your job, and it's my job to fill these seats. It's your job, and it's my job to make sure that everyone is spiritually fed when they come through that door. It's your job and my job to make them feel welcome. It's your job and my job to get them all the way to the cross. I'm running out of time, so I'm going to blow through these last couple. It is also for the, uh, our job is for edification. We are here to build one another up. The entire uh, reason that we assemble corporately, uh, we could do this via Zoom, right? We could do this on a live stream. We tried that for a whole year. And you know what? We struggled as a church, didn't we? We had a hard time with this lack of connection. We had a lot of people get depressed and, and feel alone and isolated. That's because part of our job is building each other up. It is our job to build this church. It is not Pastor Tice and Pastor Matt's job to build this church. They laid the foundation. We are the ones who are supposed to lay it brick by brick. You and I are responsible for the success of this ministry. We are responsible for building each other up. There's someone uh, you know of hurting, struggling a little bit, having a few spiritual struggles. Don't go tell the pastor. Well, I mean, do. But that's not your first response. Your first response is, you are the edifier. You are the builder. You are the comforter. It is our job to make sure each other's needs are met. So, what ministry do you need to be a part of? Who do you know that needs building and edification? Because it is our job. We are the saints. We are the body of Christ. We are his sanctuary, and we are here to bring glory and honor to him by seeing souls saved. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the time that you gave us today. Lord, I thank you uh, for the encouragement that you give us in your word that, number one, we can come to you. Uh, that we can uh, bring our cares to you and that you will hear us because you have made us holy. You have made us uh, capable of coming before you. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, instill in, within each and every one of us the desire uh, to glorify you, the desire to see souls saved. Uh, heads bowed and eyes still closed. Just one real quick question. I'll make it very fast. Maybe you are one who says, I don't know if I'm a saint. I don't know for sure that I'm going to heaven. I don't know that everything you said was my job. If that's you, can I see your hand real quick? Okay, I don't see any hands, so I'll move on real quick. Christian, just let me encourage you. Look for ways, look for places to serve. Look for ways where God wants to mold you and use you for his purpose because you are sacred and you are holy and you are sanctified and set apart because he loves you. All he asks in return is a little bit of love. Lord, I pray that you'd go before us this week. Help us to glorify and honor you in our entire walk of life and help us to uh, come across people who need your word and give us the boldness uh, to witness to them. Lord, we love you and we ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that message was an encouragement to your heart. 
Now for weekly updates and for information about Liberty Baptist Church, be sure to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC of Las Vegas. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, God bless.